Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. And yes, in the uh, on the show tonight, we'll be having a look at the Bledisloe Cup. We'll talk about the uh, Rugby Championship. Uh, there's some been some rugby world cup qualifying going on also there's been a whole bunch of uh, re-signings and npc returning etc and uh, my guests this evening haven't been on the lock the uh, lockdown beers so haven't given me those kind of views so i'll probably ask them that about about that as well and uh, joining me uh, is uh, boa how are you doing sir very well thank you my highlight of the week been looking forward to this show particularly after the fact that the all blacks buried the bogey of perth uh, a venue they've had problems with. So I'm very excited, really looking forward to this. And I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is well. Congratulations to each and every one of you who are outside Auckland. We'll be back to level two, Delta version, whatever that means. Uh, or we're still in level four. So uh, yeah, I hope everyone's good. And um, look, folks, uh, well, yes, uh, we, we are going up down to, um, oh, up to level two. Uh, down to level two in the, the rest of the country, as Auckland says at four. Uh, and because of that, we will keep doing our lockdown beers at five o'clock. Uh, just because I'm not fully in lockdown doesn't mean other people aren't and they don't need entertaining. So we will be there for you, fighting for you, um, or, or being with you with you in spirit, Auckland, because, uh, look, uh, look, there's been various stuff in, in, the, in the media, uh, but it, look, the rest of us do appreciate what you guys are going through. Uh, you're doing the right thing. The number's coming down. Well done. Keep it up. Um, and uh, thank you for the rest from the rest of us in uh, in New Zealand, folks. Um, the uh, um, I support Auckland's independence. Well, there we go. Uh, I'm not sure this time we want to go independent. We want to stay part of New Zealand. We don't want them leaving. Um, but um, yes, well done, Auckland, and thank you for that. Um, I'm going to crack up because this is uh, I've got Boa on. Uh, it's time, obviously, for my last uh, Lion Red beer uh, and uh, drink of the people. Uh, not that I'm not sure that I've ever been part of the people, but there we go. Um, the work, the working man's or the working class beer. Okay. There we go. But uh, I'm sure he doesn't pour it like this, but I do. Leaves the gas in the glass. No, not there quite. I, uh, I, I, I try to drink it as with little form as I can. I, I savor it. I, I leave it under my palate. I, I love that malty taste, particularly after a hard day's work. 
it is uh, it is a divine taste. It's like you know blue collar nectar, as I would call it. Oh, brilliant! Well, before we get into this whole uh, the the kind of the meat of the show, folks, um, I've just noticed that uh, the uh, New Zealand Podcast Awards um, are in their nomination phase um, at the moment. Um, so uh, I've put the link in the uh, live chat uh, if you would like to nominate us for um, the New Zealand Podcast Awards. There's only three more days before the nominations close. Um, so uh, if you could nominate us, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, it would. Um, so if you enjoy our shows, um, click on that, nominate us, and who knows what might happen. Um, we, uh, we might actually uh, get shortlisted or even win something. Wow, that'd be, a, wow, that'd be a, you, know, you never know. The, um, so... Uh, but I, I obviously there's a cup you've you've already, you've already kind of uh, hinted at that um the uh, all blacks uh with uh, uh, yeah, well got themselves a good lead in that first half um and uh, then went on and then it never really looked like uh, losing it but um so what uh, before we get on to red cards and all that port, port side of things what was your overall opinion of as to how the how the all blacks played is are we starting to see what Ian Foster's been working at? Uh, is, is is something coming together? Yeah, look, certainly one thing I do have to say is the All Blacks, despite the scoreboard, were far from uh, their best. They, I, you know, I, I'd probably give them they were two thirds of the way there. What, one thing they did really do really well was their drift or jockey defense. They were very good at cornering the Wallabies. Um, and to make matters worse for the Wallabies, they were absolutely awful, particularly executing the basics. They didn't really carry well. You know, they were just throwing passes willy-nilly. And of course, we saw a big hole in their game, which is the inability to throw flat, fast passes. The big loopy floating passes where the trajectory was, was almost uh, elliptical. And surprise, surprise, a number of... Um, interceptions so you know it's very predictable and one trick pony but the all blacks they were they were patient they waited for the mistake to happen it was it was kind of like you know that game where you go pin the tail on the pony and the smart kid will always wait till uh someone would drop the tail and they'd go pick it up and just pin it that sort of thing um and and we saw particularly akira yuani heard a barnstorming game 83 run meters um you know the, the, there was there was there was such a such a gulf in skills and abilities of uh, some of these players. Uh, it, it is starting to come to fruition, and 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 the the really good thing is uh, we're starting to get some good combinations, even despite not having some of our first choice players. So all in all, a very satisfactory result. Um, and you know, as I keep going on, the statistical pattern has now been broken at birth. Uh, the bogey. Is well and truly buried, um, and it's 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 a progressive work. It's improvement. So uh, I think these are great signs for the All Blacks. Hopefully, they step up another gear next week and the week after, right to the end of the championship. Well, before we look forward, um, yes, I think some of the points you made there about about um, uh, Australia is that yeah, they, they they did they were trying to force the pass and force the game um, a little bit too much uh, in this kind of one. Uh, and that's what, and that led to yeah, turn, uh, turnovers uh, and also, um, as you say, interceptions. Their discipline in that first half and the penalties they gave up was really, really poor, uh, and that also uh, didn't didn't help them on that one. But in the second half, look, they won the second half, twenty-one to twenty, uh, did the Wallabies. But the game was already gone at that point, 
Uh, I was going to bring John in now, who's uh, who's joined us. How are you doing, sir? Oh, no, he's just turned away. Um, so hopefully he will join us. Um, well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll let, let, let him sort out his headphones first. Um, and, and John did the post-match reaction with me, so he, uh, we've already had his kind of views to it. Uh, that's available on the, the uh, as, as a podcast, all the videos um, available um, as well. Uh, so... The uh, we, we had a, obviously we had a couple of HIAs in there, which is, which is dis disappointing. Let's hope they don't get rushed back in uh, Cody Taylor um, and um, Ardi Surveyor. Uh, so yeah, so that was um, there. Now, what we had though was another red card for another um, Barrett, and um, the uh, so. Though I mean, so you you you're a bit worried about Scott Barrett getting one, but it was Jordy this time instead. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and who knows, maybe next time it's going to be Bowditch. So, look, no question, that's the correct call. It was a red card all day, every day of the week. Uh, the referee made the right call consulting the TMO. Uh, the only thing I have to say is, particularly this area of the game, where when someone is contesting the ball and when it's a dominant catch, it's what I call a sphere of dominance. Uh, this particular technique where they're sticking their foot out in a 90-degree horizontal manner, is actually coached at this level. The, the, the mistake which Jordi Barrett did was stick his foot up where the studs were facing uh, the opposing players or the defenders. Uh, so, look, it was very clumsy and reckless. Uh, red guard, correct call, uh, but I'm not so sure whether the, the, the rule, the way it is interpreted, uh, should remain the same. I think they need to look at it where players who are going up and players who are about to tackle, maybe we need to create some kind of vacuum around it purely on, uh, based on a safety um, reasoning. And that way we'll actually see people not sticking their leg out so that they could get that extra advantage whilst they're up in the air to get the jump on the defender. Uh, so, yeah, no questions. Red card all day. They, the All Blacks have made it very clear that they are going to uh, appeal it. So we'll wait and see how the hearing plays itself out. Um, the, yeah, the hearing is in uh, 51 minutes or kicks off in 51 minutes at 9pm this evening. So folks, that's why we're talking about it from that point of view. Uh, good evening, John. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm just wondering how the All Blacks are going to appeal something that hasn't been decided yet. I mean, how do you, there's no, <laughs> I mean, everybody, there's the, the things were written. We've got a, we've got a, a, a an argument for an appeal or this, that, and the other. And I, I kept on looking for, for, for a ban or, or for a, or for something. I can't find anything. And they talk about an appeal and they haven't even had the hearing. Well, yes. Okay. But they, so, so they believe they've got, they've got grounds to challenge the, the, uh, the, the sighting. Uh, is is what they're saying, and they say we'll we'll know by tomorrow, folks. So do join us at the five pm uh, lockdown beers and uh, and rugby chat tomorrow. Where we'll, we'll tell you what that result is and we'll discuss that result. But yeah, um, I think we're we're all on the same page that it was red. Uh, that yeah, look, he overbalanced himself. It wasn't it, it was reckless rather than malicious, as we it saw. Was, with, it was with another one. stupid. Yes, it was stupid. This is not what you want from a test match level player. To make that kind of stupid, it's a stupid mistake. John, um, I, I, uh, I I agree, but one thing I have to say is this is the co this is the technique which is being coached. Yeah, at yeah, the, but that, at, the, I, at the elite level. So I think that coach, that, that is the part which needs to be 
looked at much yeah, like but they don't coach this they coach this they don't coach that that's the part that that will get you um called out by your your captain and your teammates i said where is your mind what on earth possessed you to flick your foot out you know there that is a it's a one and then a second it's this step that's the problem and um in all the years that they've been coaching that thing i've only ever seen it done twice and both of them have resulted in the red card um so and that, I, and that, that 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 is correct i think you know putting a studs up is the problem here but again coaching the whole idea of extending that extra foot where you go on a 90 degree angle with your knee forward that very action can actually result in a knee to the opposing defenders so i think that entire rule and that part of the game needs to be revisited by game development and i think maybe that part of the game needs to be completely either taken out of the game or when a player is up in the air and that player is so dominant there has to be a sphere or some area where the defenders actually can't come and encroach purely from a safety point of view so i think this is this 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 needs to be looked at by wr um and you know it'll be interesting what what the feedback is going to be yeah we'll we'll, we'll see how it, how it all all pans out it, take, it generally takes something like this uh a high um, high profile game with what a the tier one team for for the law to change we've seen the law change when england have come across laws that they that they get confused by like um uh Italy not contesting the ruck and things like that so there's no ruck and therefore the laws change so look as they they we'll, we'll we'll see what happens on that side of things i'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole but yeah red it was we we're all expecting a ban of some sort for jordi on this one not of the six weeks that we saw in super rugby a couple of years ago um because that one was a deliberate kick out looking yeah um, but that's something and there, there he turned himself and kicked like kung fu yes right so that was very uh, he looked at you could see he looked at the oncoming player hmm. turned sideways and put his and kicked out as if he was going to do the bruce lee so that that's the i mean that's the other current people are looking at as as a comparison say so that was 6 weeks i'm not expecting anything like that 2 to 3 is probably where we're going to be at at a guess but we'll let that wait but the, the thing that concerns me is if if i was a all black selector is we at this very highest level you keep on seeing barrett make stupid decisions under pressure and in this case really up on the scoreboard not even inside his own 22 um comfortably outside the the red zone or the danger zone for the all blacks and making silly decisions and what they're looking for in a fullback is somebody who stays calm and keeps a level head and it's just too many of these instances where for all of his talent it's like he gets a brain fart and he does these stupid things well and 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 likewise if i can just add to this there's so many areas of the the modern particularly professional elite game uh where we we you know we need to make changes and i'm not going to pick nitpick on particular players i the tackle going high chest on chest crest on crest dipping late the gator roll particularly in the breakdown so you know these things are acti- actually actively coached so this whole uh 
you know, instance where Barrett stuck his foot out has actually highlighted this and there needs to be a wider discussion so that we completely take this out of the game. You see, the thing about putting, just a last comment, um, the practicalities of playing that position and doing that movement. If you jump and you do this to take the ball, you expose your torso for all the fact that rugby has legislated that you cannot make contact with the player in the air. Your instinctive reaction as a human being, when you do this and you expose your rib cage right, like that, is to, is, is to lose focus on what you're doing up here. So what that's doing by raising your knee, obviously I can't quite show it here, but by raising your knee, you bring, your, you bring yourself into a protective position to protect this front part of you where somebody's coming to tackle you. Now, you know you're not supposed to be hit in the air, but it allows you to create some ability to focus here, right, while you're going up to take it or you're going up to take it like this, hopefully we need together and you're exposing all of this. So, I mean, all of these things that they're doing about the law are not only about protecting the law, they're trying to actively discourage kicking, right? So everything that they're doing, making sure that people can't advance, making sure that that um, you can't take the person out there. They're trying to discourage the kick as much as they can. They're trying to make it as more and more feasible. You kick the ball away, you're less likely to get it, right? Um, but I don't know how they can overcome somebody's tendency. Even, I mean, even when players go up and are lifted, you know, they're, they're lifted on a line-out or they're lifted on a kickoff to take a lock taking in this position here. He has his players holding him in, you know, in this area to create some sense of, of strength and stability as he goes up and extends. Otherwise, it's a very perilous position and you feel incredibly vulnerable. It's very different when you're catching like this on the ground and you can, you can absorb and take. But when you're up in the air, anyway, these are just thoughts. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and folks, those of you who are listening to the podcast rather than watching the video, um, that you, 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 you'll you, you'll uh, not not have seen sort of uh, some of John's uh, actions on screen, but um, you'll probably have the right idea that it's about putting your about opening your ribcage, putting your arms opening your ribcage. But yeah, but um, my bad. But, um, as as we've just been nominated for the New Zealand Podcast Awards, uh, it's good that we've decided to go visual with our descriptions tonight. Um, moving on though, great great radio we're making here. <laughs> For uh, four provincial unions at age grade are having a trial this season, which they've just concluded, where the anyone catching the ball cannot jump up and leave their feet. So that's, that's wow. something which is in yeah something in the pipework. So, so again, it comes down to player safety, and that's what I refer to as because I was part of the game development, which came up mm -hmm. with that trial. It's what we call the the sphere of safety, so that we give the player attempting to catch the ball as much uh, opportunity to safely mm -hmm. conduct the act of catching the ball. So this is very, very interesting to me in the future of rugby. But when you say that somebody's allowed to keep their feet on the ground, they, they're not allowed to jump, they must keep their feet on the ground when they receive a kick. Then, is that player allowed to be hit immediately? Yes, yes. So this keep in mind, this, this is a trial at age grade in community yes. rugby. So right. and 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 again, combining that with what we were doing, which is tackle below the lines of tackling below the armpits, um, 
So community rugby has a slightly different connotation to elite level of professional rugby. Yeah. But it, 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 has, it has been a, a successful trial. We've had mixed feedback and all that feedback will be made public uh, in October. So we can mm. probably have a discussion about it. My only concern about that is, is that it might induce people to kick more. Because if they can if they can line the guy up and he is not allowed to get up in the air, he has no he has no time between he has no space between the ball touching his hands and being hit. He can be hit immediately. Uh, potentially, and that's why it's been a trial, and that's why only four unions signed up. Uh, so we'll, mm -hmm. you know, we'll wait and see. Maybe a couple of years we'll figure something out which is feasible and attractive to the game. Are you allowed to say which uh, which unions signed up, which provinces? Uh, yeah, we had counties, Manuka, we had North Harbour, we had Bay of Plenty, and I believe, uh, I think it was Otago down south. Okay, interesting. Uh, I'm not, not surprised by those names you've mentioned because uh, North Harbour is the first one that, uh, uh, that, that, that got rid of the... Um, uh, or, uh, that made sure rugby was about enjoyment rather than competitive uh, at the uh, junior grades. Uh, so North Harbour, one of the more is one of the most progressive team uh, uh, unions from a, a laws point of view in New Zealand, folks. Um, Counties Manukau, uh, one where they've got a brand new, uh, they've had a, a new um, CEO in there, has been in there for about a year and a half now, uh, has also been, uh, is, is, is again, looking at how he can change things and how uh, how they can improve things and grow things. And again, Bay of Plenty, if you remember, this is the this is the province that actually joined Global Rapid Rugby with their Chinese um, uh, collaboration. Uh, shows you that, yeah, again, these we're talking here about some of the more forward-thinking, progressive uh, uh, unions that are prepared to do try new things, the, uh, unlike some of the more traditional unions that perhaps wouldn't, who, who are a bit more uh, resistant to change um, in those ones. Talking of uh, NPCs, since, since we're on that provincial rugby, well, we'll come back and talk about the, about the rugby championship later. But um, it has been announced today that with the return to level two, that uh, provincial rugby will be, uh, uh, or that uh, community rugby and, and, and et cetera, will be allowed to take place under level two. Uh, now, gatherings uh, outside have to be a maximum of 100 people. Um, so we will have to um, see how... Uh, uh, around sort of training, etc. So, um, but that does obviously training is generally less than 100 people, so that's not not going to be a problem. The and then the first games for the uh, will be back on the 17th of September, so about a week and a half. Um, we initially thought it would be two weeks, but it looks like they've gone for a, uh, they've looked at rounding that up and saying yeah, a week and a half is is effectively two weeks, so we'll we'll, we'll allow that 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 that's okay. Um, with the so the NPC will uh, start then. Uh, because what well, we already had uh, fixtures scheduled for the NPC, um, the uh, Heartland Championship will also kick off then. Now, for the Heartland Championship, all the provinces that take part in that are all outside of Auckland, and so they'll just kick off their season uh, pretty much well, basically four weeks late, uh, and go straight from there. I would imagine uh, the exact fixtures they will announce, but I, but um, effectively that's what they'll do is just move the season back by four weeks. Um, for the Farrah Palmer Cup, they should be in their finals already at this stage. So there are no fixtures scheduled for the that weekend of the 17th to 19th. Um, so they will need to announce what those are. Uh, we'll, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens with that one, obviously. 
uh, one of the problems that, they, that the Farrah Palmer Cup has is that um, on the 3rd of October, I believe it is, the Blackferns fly out to Europe for the uh, their test series against France and England. There are four, four games there. And the Blackferns are part of the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup and play in that. So removing the 30-odd players that are part of that squad will be a big hit, uh, especially mm. to the teams that are going to be in the Premiership finals. So mm. uh, they'll try and wrap things up in time for that. But we'll have to uh, have to see what happens with the Farrah Palmer Cup. Uh, there's, uh, they've, they've obviously they're only found out today that level two will be coming will be coming in. Was it day or yesterday? Either way, uh, yesterday. So hence those schedules. We'll talk more about the Farrah Palmer Cup as we get more information. At the moment, it's just too uncertain for us to really say anything definitive on that one. But NPC boys, fourteen provinces, three of which can't take part because of level four. Is it fair to restart the NPC? Uh, I've seen a bunch of comments saying that it's not fair on Counties Manukau, Auckland and North Harbour because they would have had more time away from playing, uh, not training. Uh, and also when they come back, they'll have to play midweek games. Is it fair? Should they be restarting the NPC next weekend? No, it isn't. But that said, uh, there have been some prior discussions about this with the direction of how this whole COVID uh, level four was unraveling so there have been some prior discussions uh particularly uh, you know with level four being ring fenced around auckland so the uh three provinces obviously harbor auckland itself and counties manukau uh being the three unions which are disadvantaged uh and their squads you know they've uh, individually been doing training accordingly because keep in mind we did go through a lockdown um last year so from their coaching teams and high performance, they're sort of trying their best, little best to manage this, but it will be a bit of an ask if they have to uh, catch up and play uh, some of these games midweek. But keep in mind, it'll be the same for their opponents as well. So I think a little bit of pressure, but given that these uh, unions are, you know, probably, uh, you know, resourced better to uh, prepare for such a scenario, it's it's not going to be uh, too much of an issue. Uh, but I guess there's going to be a divided opinion on this. You know, the diehards from the province will be like saying, no, no, this is just, you know, they're setting us up for failure. And I can already hear particularly some of the Auckland diehards will be writing up all the excuses. But look, that's just the reality of it, guys. <laughs> We're just going to deal with it. But talking to most of the coaching staff, you know, they're, they're going to roll with the punches. So encouraging signs and... Uh, I'm I'm just glad that the rugby is you know going to start again. John, have your thought, thoughts on this? I think for many of the administrators, their hands are tied by financial realities. You know, there there are contracts in place. There's money that's going to be lost if they can't meet the uh, commitments that they've made to produce programming for the yawning more that is satellite sport you know they need multiple channels of 24 hours a day worth of programming and part of that slate that they've looked to create is created by rugby which not only remembers broadcasts live but then is repeated many times during the week so basically the unions and the new zealand rugby football union has committed to producing content of so many hours per week that they can run um, on these channels. And 
the money that comes from those contracts is, you know, really the the essential lifeblood of the game. It's far more than the subs at club level. It's far more than the ticket sales. It's what pays all these salaries. So it what covers the costs. It allows the fields to be cut, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's vitally important that these games are played, and that's why they're going to proceed without Auckland. And if Auckland is not um, out of lockdown before the NPC is finished, well, then there'll be a champion crowned without uh, Auckland in it. Um, but that's the reality. This These are extraordinary times, these years that we're living in at the moment, and things are being done very differently to anything we've ever seen before. And we just got to realize these are the times that we're in. Yeah, look, there is also a set window, folks, that we need to, that things have to be wrapped up in so that Super Rugby can have a pre-season and get ready to go next year with Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, LB has asked us to talk about that in the format. Okay, yeah, we'll have a chat about that later, LB. We'll, we'll, we'll bring your question in, don't worry. Um, so apparently New Zealand Rugby has already paid 16 million back to Sky for not having a 14-team Super Rugby competition this year. So, wow, uh, that's a chunk of change. Um, and you're, you're quite right, John, that, yeah, that whilst it is not equitable, it is not fair uh, on all, so it's not, yeah, it's not even, rather than it's not fair, it's not even on across all the teams because of some teams being treated differently. The games have to be played. Otherwise, yeah, the, 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 the money they have to pay back uh, will impact provinces and will mean people will lose their jobs. Um, so yeah. the, uh, so that at the end of the day, they, they have to, they have to play these games. The, my my league has been cancelled. I just heard today that the league that I play in has been cancelled the rest of the year, even though we could start again. A decision has been taken to cancel. So, and we were just starting to play to really play well. Just it's the way that it is, right? It just is the way that it is. I mean, uh, Australia have got a huge advantage in this tournament. They play every game in the rugby championship bar one. They're going to play at home. And um, Argentina are going to play every single game away from home. It's, yes. it's not equitable, but it's the way that things are. It's the way that they had to go to pull that off. Uh, the, um, Paul, just uh, with the NPC, one note I have to make is particularly with sides like Auckland. No, this will be a good challenge and opportunity to give some of the wider squad players an opportunity as well, because if they have to go midweek and weekend and if they're front up. So, you know, there are positives. And um, I know Auckland has some quality talent. Uh, there's a couple of my guys um, who I've coached at junior age grade, who played club premier and now, uh, you know, graduated to NPC level. So I think there's some uh, real positives as well. And also, you know, guys like Roger Tuivasa-Shek coming into the side. Uh, you know, this will really test um, these squads who have to, you know, back up after midweek. And given that Roger has got plenty of experience being on the road and playing in challenging conditions, you know, he could utilize some of that experience. So I think all in all, there's some real pluses as well as a few minuses. But, you know, the reality is when you're a professional rugby player and involved in a professional fee-paying uh, entertainment league, tough. You just got to rock up and do your thing. Yeah, look, Aaron says that uh, provinces and New Zealand rugby need to ask government for compensation for loss of revenue. Look, there are, there are um, pieces in place for companies. And at the end of the day, New Zealand rugby is a company. Uh, and this side, this part of 
um, the provinces are companies, whereas the the uh, the community game is different. Um, and from that point of view, uh, they should be treated just like any other business and be able to claim as other businesses can. They should. I don't. I don't believe there should be anything special just because they're rugby teams uh, to give them more funding personally. Than, but um, you're still going to pay it back, right? Well, it would depend. Uh, so just like, well, no, it depends. Depends on depends on how how the government gives the money. I mean, money. it can be a grant. It can be given to you. It doesn't have to be a loan. Given, so, never back. So the um, I mean, only sort of come from somewhere from somebody's tax, absolutely. But I'd say at the end of the day, I don't think rugby should be treated differently to other businesses uh, on on that one. Um, LB makes a point. Yeah, that Curry Cup wasn't fair and equitable again because of COVID, with some games. Uh, called off um, and therefore uh, different results. Some some people didn't have to actually play certain games. Um, so yes, it, 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 is, it is what it is, um, and we've just got to live with uh, live with these unprecedented times that are becoming yeah. very precedent, very, very very much the precedent at the moment over the last year and a half. Um, but yeah, no, I've just seen that a lot of comments about that. So I just thought we'd cover off on that side of things. That, yeah, the MPs, look, it has to go ahead. I've already reached out to a couple of provinces. Um, Obviously, Waikato and Bay of Plenty that I go to uh, to say, "Hey, please include me in your hundred people." So we'll see if um, we'll see if they do or not, and whether I get to go to the games uh, and help to bring you uh, the uh, bring you into the ground and get you to see things and, and be, be part of it. Uh, hopefully, I can help you do that, folks, um, as, as part of the uh, of what we provide you. So Auckland are a Premiership team, whereas both counties and North Harbour are Championship teams. So uh, yeah, it is harder on Auckland than the other two. Um, I think. Uh, to give you an idea, the first game back that I think I will be able to get to is Waikato versus Canterbury on Sunday, the 19th of September. Big game. Um, big game, big absolutely. Um, Waikato with two wins from two games uh, and two try bonus points so far, leading the Premiership, hosting, obviously, the uh, uh, Canterbury, who are in a very strange position for them, last in the table on five points. Um, on mine, the only team in the Premiership with a negative points difference. Um, so, uh, uh, yes, uh, it'll, that, that, that's hopefully the first game that I will be back at, but um, I'll hopefully hear over the next couple of days uh, as to whether that will be the case. Um, do you think there's anything else for us to talk about and say in that? Uh, in the Well, Paul, I, I, one, one thing I can assure you is that there will be no sympathy for Auckland from any of the provinces. Everyone will want to really put the boot in, particularly by the fans, uh, more specific <laughs> fans in Canterbury that really want to put the foot in. So, um, yeah, look, just, you know, let's, let's just move on. Let's get it on and, you know, be the best team win. And there's, there's going to be a few challenges here and there. But again, you know, province like Auckland, they have the depth and they have the resources to overcome it. And, you know, if they do, it'll be one heck of a story. Yeah, look, Dr. Rice says administrators are going to really earn their keep to work things out. Yes, they are. I have been in touch with various provinces over, over, during this lockdown, trying to get uh, interviews uh, and to provide more content for you guys uh, during lockdown. Um, but they've all gone back, come back and said, Paul, look, we're absolutely snow, uh, um, snowed under trying to figure out what's going on when uh, we just don't have time, sorry, to commit to come and talk to you. Um, but uh, so uh, one of them has, has, has suggested I get in touch with them about, a, about a, um, a week and a half's time. Uh, to see if they'll do it, see if they, they've things have calmed down a bit, so that we can learn and talk to them about what they've had to go through during this lockdown. And we can understand what's been going on. So look out for that um, as a as a driving more special coming forwards. Uh, I say, yeah, trying to talk to 
these sort of people about, about to give you an idea as to what what what, what it's all like um, and going on there. Um, I've got to say thank you to my supporters, folks. Uh, you have allowed me to um, buy myself a, a portable monitor um, that uh, um, is, 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 is it, my screen's frozen because I've, I've got an unplugged it. Um, but um, thank you, everyone, for that, because that means that I can now, at some provinces, the grounds don't have big screens, don't have... Uh, that uh, those facilities available that means i can now actually watch a game and have replays um so thank you for that if you would like to become a supporter and help me with the tech that i need to bring you uh this kind of content and coverage then head over to uh patreon.com forward slash nz sports radio um it does mean the world to me thank you so much folks uh for being for uh, for supporting me uh it's it, it's uh, is much appreciated on to the rugby championship then i guess before we do so, though, Boa, why is it all dark behind you? Why, 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 why are you sat in a dark room, hidden away from... Uh... It's Black supporter. That's why. Well, no, no. We've, uh, we've had some stormy weather, and where I live particularly is right on the edge of the water. So we're, we're a little bit prone to having power failures. So I've got the generator running on the outside, and I've just got this uh, strobe light in front of my computer trying to preserve... Uh, energy and get maximum productivity from lighting so that's that's the reason but you know then again you know something different kind of gives you this uh friday the 13th uh, studio effect you know where this guy in glasses and uh, as you can see i've grown a bit of a beard i haven't shaved from day one since being in lockdown level four so you know it just gives a bit of a different feel but that's the reason we've, uh, we've had some really stormy weather here and uh a few houses where i'm living we've actually been cut out because uh had some uh, slips and some floods, so that's the reason. There you go, folks. We can lose power. We can uh, look, look, look at the the, <laughs> the the lengths we go to to bring you shows, uh, and hence uh, click on uh, nzpodcastawards.com, nominate for such nominate and nominate us because we take the extra mile to bring you the show every week at eight pm on a Tuesday. Uh, there we go. Um, so yes, the rugby championship. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. To me, it feels like the rugby championship is kicking off this coming weekend. I know we've already had four games, but it, but with them being in um, no two games each, four games. Two, the South Africa have played Argentina twice, uh, and uh, uh, we've had the two Bledisloe Cup games. So four games whilst John's wiggling two things at me. Um, the um, oh, oh, oh you thought I was talking about the games. Um, and uh, yes, the uh, ah. <laughs> A really good picture I saw on on on, on, on uh, social media which said that I I, I signify thumb, I, I signify good things. Um, I'm number one. Uh, I'm the ring finger where people put put rings for um, uh, for commitment. Uh, I'm the little finger which we use for uh, special promises. Oh dear, <laughs> the little finger. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so the um the championship then uh, you say it feels like it's probably kicking off this weekend because the the games are happening on the same weekend uh and the also having the Bledisloe cup game before the rugby championship rather than afterwards as normal has meant has given these first three games with australia a different narrative um away from the rugby championship um which i think south africans haven't really appreciated um, with some of their tweets uh, and comments on social media um but um, 
I mean, John, as a South African, has it felt like the rugby championship's already been going, or does this feel like the new start for you as well? Well, um, you know, South Africans have a very dim view of the Bledisloe Cup. Um, they tend to view it as a a wannabe a wannabe competition. Um, they probably have a little bit of a point if one country holds it for twenty years in a row. It's not really much of a competition, is it? Um, and uh, so far as South Africans are concerned, um, if administration is anything like it should be, anything approaching competence, they feel that South Africa should, South African and the All Blacks, that's, you know, that there's only, only a World Cup final is a bigger game than that, right? So um, it does, it does seem... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It does seem like the first three games were a little bit like clubbing baby seals in some ways. Um, some of those Australian players looked a little bit like deers in the headlights at times um, and, and looked out of their depth. Not that they don't have potential, but certainly not of the sort of hard-bitten, gnarly um, opposition that the All Blacks will probably even find from the Argentinian forwards. Uh, so, yeah, it, I think that that in many ways you, we're coming to the, the business end of, of the competition right now because um, it's it's really going to come down to a, a trade-off, depending on how South Africa goes, of course, against Australia. Uh, South Africa's got this bad... Uh, habit in the past of having their gaze so firmly fixed on the All Blacks that they they don't pay um, enough, I would say, disrespect to the the Wallabies and put put them away properly at times when they haven't been that strong. Uh, but one feels that it's going to come down to the Springboks and the All Blacks and how they perform and how you know who gets what bonus points where, etc. You know this is why it it would be very ironic. You know, um, the, the missed forward pass that happened on the weekend, which resulted in a try, and it was one try difference between getting a bonus, bonus point and not. If it winds up that not looking at the correct pass when asking the TMO to go back leads to a bonus point, and that it's one by one point, then there's going to be all sorts of cuck that goes on um, around this whole decision. But, uh, yeah, it's a long-winded response to your to your question, it does feel like something exciting is kicking off this weekend. 
and that's how we'd have an, an hour-long Razzie video about one Ford Haas. Um, the LB makes a good point in there that uh, South Africa's record in Australia hasn't always been uh, has, hasn't always been great, and he's getting a bit nervous about that. Simon's point here that so he blames um, the marketing or the media around this because a lot of sports channels would call it the call the Birthgate Perth game a dead rubber, which it wasn't. It was obviously the rugby championship points were on, were on the line. It was a dead rubber as far as Bledisloe goes, but he also points out that Bledisloe's been around for the 1930s. By the way, there are three Bledisloe Cup folks. Cups. One, I think, is for bowls. The other one is for something to do with, I think it's a competition about chickens and uh, and produce. And then the final one's about rugby. But anyway, um, uh, just uh, by the by, um, Bella, yourself, so, how, how, it, it might have been it might have been around since the 1930s. But if in 90 years Australia have held it for 15 of the 90 years, it's not it's not really much of a competition, is it? Well, okay, yeah, there's history. Yeah, I understand. Yep. Yeah. I get, I get where you come from. Bella, what's your thoughts of uh, uh, heading into this weekend and the rugby championship so far? Yeah, well, it certainly does feel like the championship per se hasn't quite kicked off, but, you know, particularly because it was a bit disjointed and then we had COVID and then obviously we had this incident in Auckland, you know, Lindmore stabbings and, you know, uh, and then, you know, particularly last week, I have to admit, uh, after a long time, Majority of this country, uh, their mind wasn't actually on the rugby itself. And, you know, I mean, on, on the day of the game, you know, pretty much everyone tuned in and, uh, you know, obviously watched the game and resumed, you know, it's a welcome distraction. Um, but coming back to the point, yeah, I think it does feel that the, the real championship starts now. And, of course, uh, South Africa, the, the, the box coming off uh, a victorious Lions tour. Um, and, you know, Pressures on them because they'll be the uh, you know the the favourites so to speak, particularly because they're coming off a victory against the Lions, and you know it never feels quite adequate unless you beat from an All Blacks point of view, unless you meet and beat a South African team uh, over two games, uh, home and away, and in this case, obviously it's away and away. Uh, one thing I do have to say is the Wallabies. Neutral and neutral. It's way for both teams, but yes. Okay, neutral. neutral. Uh, Wallabies and All Blacks have a a slight advantage given that they've had one week's run-on form, which is this week. Um, And for the the Springboks, you know, they're they're going in pretty much straight into a game against the Wallabies, albeit uh, a side which looked pretty woeful because, you know, the the basics were, were shocking. You know, they just couldn't carry. They couldn't string five phases together. They were throwing offloads. They didn't have the skill to do. Um, and on paper, you know, the Springboks should just rip holes and just, you know, take mm. them apart. Uh, but there is a statistical pattern. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a statistician by profession. So uh, South Africa's record in uh, Australia uh, has been, you know, fairly, fairly patchy to... To, to say the the least, mm-hmm. and I think the highest winning score has been twenty three points. So I think uh, there is what you know there there is some sort of force out there which determines that these games against the Wallabies and Springboks pretty much go down to the wire. So I would expect something of that nature, uh, and also the type of rugby uh, South Africa play. And given that if the Wallabies can pounce on a few errors, because keep in mind Springboks are coming you know first up 
into this with the break flying over from South Africa uh, gives the Wallabies a chance. So you can't write any team at any stage off, uh, but pretty much it's, it's, it feels and it very much will come down to the uh, reigning world champions, the Springboks playing the All Blacks in two games and, and seeing who's got the better game. So that, that'll, that'll pretty much decide who takes the championship. I think what we've got to be careful of, folks, is actually enjoying the next two weeks rather than wishing them away, hoping for that uh, Springboks versus All Blacks games um, and the 100th and the 100th, the 100th year anniversary thing. So let's enjoy these next two weeks. We will be live straight after every game in the Rugby Championship with post-match reaction. So do join us for those. Uh, and I'll put those up on the podcast as well if you want to listen back. Your what, is, what, is the gap, what is the gap between the two games? Um. The so this weekend, no, it's it's bigger than that actually. This weekend, um, the they, there's a kickoff at uh, seven o'clock, uh, um, which will then obviously finish around about nine o'clock, and then the next kickoff is ten o'clock. So there's a, there's a near a near hour long gap between the games. Which, yeah, uh, so that's enough time what, for what? to do um, to do something. Yeah, there's enough time for a proper yeah proper post match. Whereas sometimes previously when it's been a half hour gap, it's more like a 15 minute kind of rush mm. <laughs> and it's not a proper post-match really in all honesty. Mm. Um, so yes, no, there, there is, there is, these ones are better spaced than normal, um, which is what, uh, well, one, see, one thing Vince, I have to say is just, uh, we are missing a few players from both sides. I think uh, particularly Aaron Smith and Richie Monga from the All Blacks and also Peter Steph to toy big loss from Springboks. Uh, so I think that will have a uh, you know a significant impact on both teams. But again, you know they've got enough talent to string together a, a, a world class side. So we'll just have to wait and see. Talking of players missing, uh, Alan Alatoa, the uh, um, Wallabies captain, is going to be missing as uh, uh, he is, is his partner is due to um, give birth to a uh, uh, to a, obviously to a child. Not. I'm not sure where I'm going with that one. Uh, but uh, um, if you're choosing a birth, um, so, uh, <laughs> what a werewolf. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, yes, I'm not sure I was going with that one. But I'll tell you, yeah, his part, uh, uh, look, uh, first off, wish, wish both his part, partner and the child that they, uh, they're all healthy and well uh, when it comes along. Um, but that does mean that 38 year old Greg Holmes is back into the, the, uh, the Wallabies squad. Wow. Um, obviously a stopgap measure because uh, Al Alatoa is, 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 is it's only a short break, but some um, boys. I guess that gives us an idea as to kind of the the depth, unfortunately, in Australian rugby and their props at the moment. Yeah, I didn't know that you could get a prop that qualifies for superannuation. The <laughs> well, hey, you should have seen the uh, the forty year old that turned out for Tonga um, in the rugby World Cup qualifier against. Um, uh, the Cook Islands. So yes, he was. Uh, I've got blank. He's playing down in uh, Hawke's Bay at the moment. Uh, but so yeah, legend and, and great to see him turn him turning out. Did a post match interview with him um, as well. Um, did you see? Sorry, did you see Nocturnal Rights comment about the Bledisloe Cup? Very funny. He said that um, the Bledisloe Cup was so important that sometime in the sixties, the New Zealand oh, yes. Rugby Union lost it. They didn't know where it was. They'd had it for 30 years and misplaced it somewhere in the building. <laughs> Which, which reminds me, it's a bit like last Probably year when they, we, they had the North-South games and, 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 and 
and, uh, and and found the shield at the last minute. Went, oh wow, we've got we've got a we've gone out, we've commissioned and built it and got a trophy made because we didn't think mm -hmm. we had one. And oh yeah, look, we found it. Um, yes, it's it kind of amusing as to where these where these trophies end up and how many trophies they've got, which gives you an idea as to what they've got lost away in the in the archives. Um, um, yeah, look, uh, Greg Holmes. I have to say, I mean, my my most vivid memory of Greg Holmes was. I think it was 2010 or 2011 when, uh, funny enough, the Wallabies, uh, they beat Springboks. It was a big win. I can't quite remember the score. Uh, you know, it was, I think he smashed through a few guys and scored an amazing try. But, you know, that that was when I actually had hair. So it's been a long time. And, my, you know, I had no gray hairs either. Uh, but, yeah, look, uh, I, I, I do feel for the Wallabies. They are pretty much clutching at straws. I mean, he's been, you know, his, his retirement days, he's been playing out at, uh, I think it was Ex Exit Chiefs. Um, and then he was at the Western Force last year. So, yeah, good good luck to the Wallabies because against the world champions, they're going to need it, particularly in the scrummaging department. So I, 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 think, um, I think the writing is on the wall for this game. And, uh, you know, yeah, what can I say? Yep, yeah, uh, and um, Nocturnal Light says, didn't England have Paul Rendell, who was 39? No, he was 37. And that was also back in the amateur days, folks. I mean, come on, this is a bit different now as to... That was back in 90, uh, 19, uh, yeah, 1991. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it, the game has moved on since 1991. And, uh, yeah, getting players uh, at the, that kind of age is, is, is unusual nowadays anyway. Um, we need to go back um, and have a chat about... Um, LB's comments around the Super Rugby format or Super Rugby Pacific format. Um, so he says, um, and now remember, this is his him talking, not myself. Um, uh, can we talk about the shambles that Super Rugby is going to be? A whole season go to from 12 teams to eight for the finals. Teams only need four wins to make the final. Might Ashwell, I think he's as well, um, just watch the finals. Now, look, the... Um, uh, having the 12 teams and bringing in Fiji, Drua and um, Moana Pacifica is a good thing. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying that, look, you've got 11 games and then three extras, which means that it's not going to be, they haven't all got the exit, the, the same and the, an even draw. That's true. But again, it's finances, folks. Teams mm -hmm. need to have seven games, um, seven home mm -hmm. games to create enough ticket revenue to pay for the franchises, to pay the players. So live with it. Uh, the NRL and the AFL both have uh, uneven seasons as well, and uh, people don't continually moan about that. So um, from that point of view, uh, I, 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 I don't have a problem with that piece of it. Um, I heard John go, mm, agreeing. Uh, Bowie, you're on the same page there? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, look, uh, you know, the reality is, you know, you, you need teams to play each other. And adding to Pacific Island teams, particularly in the Drua and uh, Moana Pacifica, will bring that edge of entertainment. And and it's, it's by and large, it's entertainment. People want to be entertained. That's why they watch Super Rugby. So whether you like it or not, uh, from a commercial perspective or a model to work, and you rightly pointed out, they need a certain amount of uh, home games so that, you know, they can sell their tickets, to sell, sell hot dogs, uh, you know, get the sponsors happy, corporate boxes. 
and you know that's what keeps the world going around so uh i mean if 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 you just just purely about competitive sport then you know you probably want to pick out the top four new zealand franchises and play each other but you know that's not feasible so i completely understand why they've gone down this model um and also you know we've got to give uh, drua and moana pacifica a bit of a chance as well and um you know who knows they might come up with a bit of a, a surprise and let's let's not pass judgment on them just quite yet on that note folks um i listened to the hour long fiji drua uh, media conference um last week and uh, distilled it down to 9 minutes for you as a uh, uh, um as a supporter special so that's available to supporters only you can get that over at nzsportradio.com uh and one of the comments that they made there is that their their target in year 1 is to make the finals now uh that basically means they've got to come fifth from last because eight teams out of 12 go through to the finals so more than half the teams make the finals now again someone's saying that that so uh, then that's part of LB's comments there that he's saying look you you might as well just watch the finals the rest of it's just um it's just making up uh, uh just wasting time now to a certain degree yes you're quite right but also what it means is that all the teams who should make the finals no matter what their their draw is during the season so say for example um a team gets uh, the uh, the crusaders um the uh, blues and the chiefs or the blues and the, and the hurricanes as their three extra games you should still make the finals if you're good enough you're not going to it's not going to make you miss the finals so it removes the unevenness from that piece um, and uh, and and again, it also importantly makes sure that there's going to be an Australian team in the finals, which we need to have for TV for TV um, interest. Um, otherwise, Stan Sports isn't going to buy it. So um, the so yeah, so basically, I, I, yeah, again, sure, there will be probably one or two teams that don't deserve to be in the finals, but it makes sure that none of the teams that do deserve the finals will miss out. Uh, and I'm not really that worried about. Um, uh, again, I'm, I'm, it's, uh, it gives me an extra round of rugby, so I don't really care. Boys, um, do you think the, the eight, eight out of 12 to the finals is a, is a bit of a joke, or you're happy to live with it as well? Go, John, you can start this one. I think we need to realise that these decisions are not being driven, and they haven't been driven for a long time, about what's best for the game. They've been driven by money. And eight teams going through to the finals means that you have more games you have more games to sell as a product to the television stations right so you have more playoff games means more money more revenue and that's why you have eight teams in i mean they can say as much as they like about ensuring that an australian team is through and this and that the other the reason is it's they've gone through exactly the same thing in the NFL in the United States after nearly 50 years um they've gone through to a 17 game regular season after being many years at 16 and why did they do that more money just as simple as that they can sell a whole lot more tickets at the stadium um each team has got an extra game and then they also added extra playoff games on top of that. Again, more money. These are it's, these are money spinning um, matches, and the decision to go for them is to generate more cash. 
Yeah, look, it's it's salesmanship 101, isn't it? I mean, soon as you say, you know, new and improved Super Rugby. I, I remember it was Super 8s, uh, Super 12s. Yeah, some some fantastic competitive games. The first, uh, the first Super 12 right. game, uh, the Sharks, the Durban Sharks from Natal played the Blues, 1996 Eden Park. Amazing game. Uh, so, look, uh, and, and particularly emerging markets and existing markets like Asia and the, uh, in uh, South America. You know, getting a team like the Fijian Drua is a masterstroke because particularly in the Asian markets, soon as you say, look, they've got a Fijian team, that's what they want to uh, that's what they want to see. They want to see the ball being thrown around, play some exciting, you know, reverse scissor passes, big hits. So, you know, you got this is a cash cow. You got to milk it for all you can. Uh, in the perfect world, like, for example, the championship, it would, you know, if it just came down to quality, it would be two teams, right? But the reality is we need games. We need to sell this. We need to milk it for all we can. Otherwise, uh, it's not sustainable. It's not going to be a long-term prospect. So, look, you've got to try these new things and, you know, give it a couple of seasons. We'll figure out what the best format is. Um, and hopefully uh, these new teams will improve. And keep in mind, some of the Australian franchises might actually have some competition with the Drua uh, and Mono Pacifica. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. This, this might actually see a bit of a shakeup. Because keep in mind, the last time the NRC competition in uh, Australia was won by the Fijian Drua. I just want to I just want to point out here is I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm saying this is what is driving the decisions. Super Rugby lost its way when they went to Super 18 or whatever it was and they added all the extra teams and they watered down the product that was up until that point probably the elite rugby competition in the world and was um, a, it produced regularly uh, over the course of the season epic games of rugby where you were just dazzled by the quality of what you saw but there is obviously a a cutoff point at any one particular time as rugby grows and hopefully you're seeing rugby grow that you come to a point where you need to increase the size of the competition, you need to increase to include other countries, maybe it's the Jaguares, whatever it is that they were looking at, but at the same time, you make that decision because that's the right decision from a rugby perspective versus making it purely from a money perspective. And if we, are, uh, my view is, and I know that it's held by other people in spheres like uh, cricket, for instance, where people have been banging on the drum like uh, Ian Chappell for many, many years, that if you make the best decision for the quality of the game, then the money takes care of itself. And what's happened with Super Rugby is that once they went over that optimum point, then it just wound up with rugby, Super Rugby 8 itself and consumed itself and, and, and destroyed our interest. So there's a very delicate balancing act between growing the game and making a decision just around money. But I think the problem that we've seen among administrators for the last, I don't know, I would go as far back as saying when Argentina uh, got to the semi-final of the World Cup, in fact, Argentina, remember, came third in 2007. That was the moment where Argentina at least should have been included in the rugby championships. 
they were they came third in the World Cup, and New Zealand and Australia were knocked out in the corner finals. That was the moment where a decision was taken to make them wait. That's not based on the good of the game. That was a decision based on money and contracts. So let's go back to, let's say, 13 years. It's too many decisions have been based in rugby around money purely and not what is best for the health and growth of the game. Yep, um, true. Uh, I, a couple of things uh, in LB, so I personally prefer round-robin format with the four-team finals. Yeah, but if you're doing round-robin, you've got to do home and away when you've got 12 teams. Otherwise, you have an uneven number of home games home, um, versus away games. And it's, that's not fair. And we just don't have time for that length of competition. Um, the no, I'm right. so it, it's it's a question of authenticity of how far will people accept these formats. Um, we, we will find out. Look, we complained previously about conferences. We complained previously about uh, not having the best two teams in not having the best teams in the final finals, not having the best two teams reach the final. Now, look, this format should give us that. We don't have conferences. Every team that deserves to be in the finals will be. No one's going to miss out because they've that because they're the other teams Australian have lost less games or won less games. So look, I, I think um we're all um uh, there's a bit a bit here about people can get of, of of moaning because we're used to moaning about rugby and actually realise look it's not that bad. It's a lot better than what we had before. Uh it, it's it's and is it perfect? No, nothing ever is folks. Um, well, you know, I, I just I don't want to just be a, like a naysayer and a complainer, but I have found that the Super Rugby that we've had the last two seasons here, I yep. found very boring, right? There be a couple of great games and good rugby played, a couple of times where it seemed like um, that for some teams they would the the point of a game was to play for seventy eight minutes and then see Damien McKenzie kick, kick a winning goal and you lose. Um, but generally, what we discovered in Super Rugby in the last two years is a confirmation that over twenty five years, Super Rugby is a tournament played by however many teams currently are in the competition, where they sweat their guts out for X number of months, and at the end of it, the Crusaders win. Um, I, I found that the Super Rugby we've had the last two seasons very boring. Not just because you see the same thing, the same people playing each other, just on the other end of the same highway, just over and over and over again. Styles are very similar. It's just who does it better. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it's that much better. I just I hope what you say is true, that the, the Drua and the Moana are going to add a different flavour, a different way of playing, and we're going to see something that's going to bring some sort of, you know, we see a clash of styles and we're going to see something different because it's become very same, 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 same the whole time. We, we had to try to um, remember that Robinson should be fired because he, he, the Crusaders didn't win the uh, the last rugby competition. I mean, the Blues did. So Jane, Ray raises raises clearly on the downhill now and, uh, and a poor coach. Um, that's why they get. That's why they extended Ian Foster. <laughs> well, look if, look if it was all about rugby, you know the good old Super Twelve format where we have the five New Zealand franchises, the four top South African franchises, and the three top Australian. Uh, that's probably the way to go. But you know, we we need a bit of innovation. We need something different, 
and given that you know South Africa have gone their own way, that's now no longer no 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 that's not true. South Africa have absolutely no choice. They were informed by their partners, specifically New Zealand rugby. You're out, and if they didn't go to the Northern Hemisphere, rugby would have completely collapsed. And it it has been an absolute absolute stab in the back and kick in the guts at the same time to the cheaters who were doing very well and sitting on top of their log when their tournament was abandoned um, with COVID, right? And then they were gone because they had to make the four biggest franchises survive. So there was no choice for South Africa. If they didn't go to the Northern Hemisphere, Mars was not available. <laughs> I, 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 I knew I, knew I would get the response. Anyway, look, Fig probably was dead anyway. Uh, COVID was merely the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and South Africa were going north, whatever. Um, now, the the, the, the the steps there might not have been as clean as they should have been. No, no. Paul, I'm going to say one last thing. You can have a dying patient, right? The patient can be on life support. But if you walk up to it and slide your stiletto into the heart and then quietly walk away, you can't say, oh, I just... Uh, you know what? It was already dead. No, it wasn't, right? But I tell you what: New Zealand rugby made sure it was properly dead. They made sure there was no way. Well, <laughs> the thing is, it's it's dead now, and you know, you know, there's no point doing an autopsy on it. By God's, by God's. No, I tell you, uh, I tell you where it's very important to do an autopsy because if you are ever in in desperate straits again, and you think that the same players that are currently leading New Zealand rugby are going to help you. You better you better watch your back. That's the autopsy that everybody else in world rugby, whoever's running Moana and Drua and Australia and whoever gets into a relationship with the New Zealand rugby again, they better watch out because if they did it once, they will do it again. The look, I, 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 um, I, I will agree with you that uh, the New Zealand rugby um looks out for itself um and doesn't see the big picture totally um and uh, we've seen that from some of the comments that have come out of rugby australia who feel that they've been strong-armed into or forced into competitions but uh and we, yeah and we've we've said on these on these this channel several times that new zealand rugby needs to understand that it needs australia and australia needs new zealand rugby because without that new zealand rugby is dead um and you're quite right that the rest of the world the uh, reality is happy with using rugby at the moment. The reality is NZR no, they they can call the shots and they just do it anyway. So all they're doing is looking after themselves. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is stating the fact on what their modus operandi is. Uh, and it's not the all blacks. It's no, no, not no, the all blacks. Yeah. We're not talking about the all blacks. Even I can tell you, even in South Africa. The All Blacks are incredibly respected. And South African fans would like to see the Springboks play the way that the All Blacks do, right? So it's it's not about the All Blacks. It's about the administrators. And there appears to be a world of difference between the administrators of 25 years ago, Sir Jock Hobbs, people who took incredibly foresighted and wise decisions about the future of rugby and what is happening now, at least in the last 10 years. And there's a couple of players who I've been on the dais with and debated with 
that are very influential in in uh, rugby, which I don't want to mention in this kind of forum, where that kind of arrogance and don't even talk to me. I know exactly what I'm. Uh, we know what's best. Who are you? Um, and that is that is not the way. That's not the the essence of rugby as a game. Right? That's not what rugby is all about. Rugby is not only do I depend on this person on my right and my left when I play to make tackles, but at the end of the game, I might have knocked seven kind of snot out of you, but at the end of the game, my opponent, let's go and have a beer and we play this game together and there's respect. And, and John, I agree. Among, amongst players, yes. Um, but historically, amongst administrators, that's never been the case. And Simon points out that New Zealand, that, uh, New Zealand didn't uh, uh, yeah, cause issues for the Pacific Islands back in 95. Um, we've uh, had um, various countries try to toss South Africa during um, apartheid when they shouldn't have been doing. Um, we've uh, look, I mean, the, 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 we've um, I mean, New Zealand rugby uh, acts, uh, deliberately didn't choose players of colour to toss South Africa where they would do so other places. So look, uh, this is not just New Zealand rugby administration. The uh, the the RFU is equickly bad, uh, and we've seen uh, and, and across all these things. So now the what well, we well, 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 talk about that. Well, if we want to well, well, respect, talk about banging is it? Well, there is that. Well, yes, um, we can talk. Well, I mean, well, we can talk about respect on the pitch amongst players. That has very rarely uh, actually uh, led to the same thing happening amongst administrators. Look what Brian Nicholson has said. Two are completely different issues. And look, the reality yeah. is, particularly NZR and RFU in England, you know, are just being very ruthless about it. So they, you know, they don't really care what the public opinion is. And they just go about their business because they understand they, they hold the ace. Uh, they've got the draw cards with their team and they're just going about it. So and I think people, uh, as in the general public, they understand what's going on. And look, end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, it's it's comes down to corporate culture and the people who who have the authority to make those calls. So that's what it comes down to. So I I understand. I'm not saying that it is right, nor am I saying it is wrong, because it really depends on what type of business acumen or how you execute your business strategy you subscribe to. Some people will absolutely love it because they see that you know this they're they're going to garner every cent they can in revenue. But of course, along the way, they're not going to win too many friends. But yeah, they just don't seem to care, do they? There was yeah, a I, 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 I will say it was. It is a. Uh, it, it is wrong. Whereas you, you um, but I, you look at Bill Beaumont. Bill Beaumont, who is the uh, head of the uh, of World Rugby, uh, he, um, I think it was him. I can't find a reference to him. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, obviously, ex England captain, uh, then wrote uh, wrote a book about uh, about his time as a rugby player and the, and basically his life. Um, it's called a biography, isn't it? Um, and uh, because of the, because of the amateur days, he was banned from all forms of rugby because he was had, had a paid book that talked about him playing rugby. Which so yeah, look, look, administrators have been uh, have, have, have been have, have not helped the game for for for, for since, since since it since it started to be put bluntly. So anyway. I, I want to just point out Brian Nick. I think it was Brian Nicholson, somebody Nicholson who um, had a very important comment there, where he said New Zealand rugby needs South African rugby. It's one of the reasons why they are so good. In fact, I think he said New Zealand rugby. There it is. 
New Zealand rugby needs South African rugby desperately. It's part of the reason why they are so good. And I will quote here Dan Carter, who I watched his interview. I was still living in South Africa before his final test in South Africa in 2015. His last uh, Super Rugby Championship game, he was playing at Ellis Park, and they, they had a whole interview with him on South African rugby, uh, on South African TV. Long interview. And Dan Carter said that playing Super Rugby games uh, in South Africa was vitally important for the development of young New Zealand rugby players because it exposed them to the stadia, it exposed them to the teams that they played against, the players, it exposed the fans, exposed them to the rugby culture and the whole country as a whole, right? And he said what that meant was when they... Unfortunately, it looks like we've lost um, John's uh, John's connection there. Um, but look, I, I know for years that I mean, Australia has been wanting a... Uh, before COVID, Australia wanted to get a trans-Tasman competition and New Zealand said, no, we, we need South Africa because we, it's, uh, it produces better players for us, for the, for the All Blacks. Um, so, yes, uh, it's something that, that's, um, that's, that's been there. Uh, I said, we looks like we've lost John, unfortunately, uh, through his connection. But, hey, we've overrun anyway. Uh, were there any final points, yeah. Robert, or can I wrap things up? I think it's uh, we've pretty much covered everything. Um, one thing I do have to say is with... Um, uh, championship games coming up. Be very interesting to see how we cope without uh, uh, Whitelock uh, skipper, uh, particularly Aaron Smith. I think he's going to be sorely missed, and obviously Richie Maunga. I wasn't particularly impressed with Borden Barrett at first five, but again, you know, maybe uh, All Blacks are just holding back. They were just very happy to wait and see, wait for the error, and then pounce on it. Maybe we'll see a different game, particularly this weekend coming up against. The Pumas, because keep in mind, uh, the All Blacks are lethal second up in any competition. Statistically, it showed that they've really turned up and absolutely put the sword and boot into the opposition. So this week, we'll wait and see. Uh, but the real measuring stick is when the All Blacks square off against Springboks. That will tell us who the real number one team in the world is. Absolutely. Um, uh, John's back, but we're just wrapping up, John, uh, and some points. I think the USA will win the second leg of their qualifying game against uh, Canada. They're only behind 13 points on ag on um, aggregate. Um, so, folks, yes, the Rugby World Cup 2023 qualifier for America's one play uh, uh, was played last weekend, which Canada surprisingly beat the USA. They have a 13-point lead going to the second game this coming weekend. Uh, where we'll find out which team will be qualifying for the Rugby World Cup in France. Thank you, Boa. Thank you, John. Um, What's your pick, Boa? Can I just ask you, what's your pick for the two games? Um, for for the first up, I've got Springboks less than seven points. So I think it's going to be a close score. Um, Argentina game, historically, the All Blacks have always done really well second up. So I'm picking the All Blacks 13 plus. So 13 plus for the All Blacks. And Springboks to win by less than seven. Um, so there we go, folks. Those predictions, I, I think, yeah, if they, I'm, I, yeah, you've got to go with the, uh, the I'll probably go with a bigger, a bigger margin for the box. But um, it, it has been mentioned several times on this show how the box do tend to struggle in Aust or have historically struggled in Australia. Um, the uh, and also Razzie isn't there. Remember, he stayed back in South Africa um, to deal with World Rugby um, charges. 
um, and to keep that uh, distraction away from the players. So it'll be interesting to see how... Um, oh, I've gone blank. I can't remember the name of the head coach now. That shows you how, how much uh, Razzie hogs the limelight. Um, the uh, uh, goes without Razzie there. Obviously, he'll be involved by Zoom meetings. Um, you know, but by the way, he's, uh, he's, he's yeah. not a good coach. Lovely coach, oh. great tactician. So, yeah. Thank you. Jackson email. That's it. I, 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 sorry, I deliberately, I had a few gone blank. Um, wasn't just me taking the piss. Um, so, um, the, uh, so yes, so that's, um, uh, comments are there about the fact that how difficult it is to watch the rugby world cup qualifier between the USA and Canada outside of the USA and Canada. Absolutely. It's a joke. Um, that's, uh, it was on a $20 pay-per-view option was the only option in New Zealand, apparently just a farce. Um, that so it's so difficult to watch that game. Thank you guys. Uh, don't forget. I'll be back at 5. PM with, uh, lockdown beers and uh, rugby chat every day and tomorrow at 8 p.m we'll have the standoff show um which is our nrl show uh obviously with the regular season finished the boys are going to be are going to need some cheering up after the warriors abject um, performance at the weekend so uh, if you want to see two grown men cry into cameras uh that uh, the 8 p.m standoff show is the place to be um uh, tomorrow evening and obviously 5 p.m for us to talk about geordie uh, barrett's ban or not ban uh, that uh, is happening as we speak. And don't forget this weekend, Curry Cup final as well. Oh, there we go. I must admit, I've lost, I've lost track of that. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. I think the Bulls are going to club the Sharks, who have, um, uh, I think it's something like eight or ten players with the, with the spring box. So they're massively weakened. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, at losses, Sharks versus Bulls. There we go, folks. So keep an eye out for that one as well. Good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.